my success is not your success. And what do we mean by that in Frios? You can use this as a side hustle where you can just make as much as you want to. Because everyone asks the question, you've all been on that call, how much money can I make? If you've got like me, I'm going to work endlessly and be as successful as I can be. But your idea of success might be to work just a couple events a week because you're semi-retired. You just don't want to sit at home all day watching the news, whatever it is. So that's both. Then we have some that are now buying two territories in their second van and now going into the third van. You really try to expand and build their little mini empire of sweet rides, as we call them. Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership. Allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. Hello and welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast, where we interview franchise founders and executives of franchise brands about their business, their story, get to know them on a personal level. And I'm very excited about our guest today. And before I get into introducing him, I want to give you a quick backstory on this company and this podcast. Have you ever thought about, if you're a franchise coach or consultant listening in, how you've got all these brands in your inventory that are larger investments, but you have candidates that want to own their own business. And whether they have the capability or not, some want to invest less capital to get into business for themselves. Or if they have less capital, they still want to get into business for themselves. And what I'm excited about is this company has created a business model where you can make a great living through the business without investing a ton of capital to get off the ground. And what I thought was most exciting was Christian and I were doing a podcast and we talked something about how, you know, we felt like you should only show brands that have an item 19. And what I like about Cliff Kennedy, who's our guest and the CEO of Frios Pops, is he reached out to me on LinkedIn and he said, hey, Dan, I listen to your show often and I'm a fan, but I have to respectfully disagree with your most recent episode. And obviously said with a ton of respect and we jumped on a call and I said, you know, I'd love to hear your perspective. And Cliff definitely changed my perspective and that's okay, right? Having an open mind because when he explained how his business works and why they don't have an item 19, it wasn't for some reason other than, well, he'll get into that. But I just thought it was interesting. If you're a franchise coach or consultant, you listen to our other podcast, we're adjusting our opinion a bit and Cliff will get into the reasons why. But Cliff, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited about this. And yeah, I mean, I appreciate even the response there that, you know, I just wanted to let you know my thoughts and I appreciate the content y'all are putting out and want to be a part of it. So thanks. Yeah. In my new company, one of our core values is all around the idea of saying how you feel, even if it's not a popular opinion. So you got to be able to have different opinions to get to new decisions. And Christian, how are you? Doing fantastic, man. Awesome as always. And yeah, Cliff reached out to me as well saying the same thing. And I keep an open mind and I think that Cliff does have a compelling answer to that question and we'll get into it. But before all of that, let's dive in and talk to you, Cliff. Before we even talk about the brand, I mean, how did you get into franchising? That's always a great story that I've learned that everyone in franchising says, right? So mine just happened to be that I got stuck in traffic every day and saw a Frio stand and I said, I'm forget this, I'm going to stop eventually. So I stopped and tried the key lime pie pop and 
the heavens opened up, the birds started chirping. <laughs> I mean, the sun was shining in my face. It was that moment that I was like, this is an unbelievable product. And so from there, I became a franchisee May 1st of 2018 for Frios. And then the company just didn't have what I thought franchising needed. It didn't have that infrastructure and support. And then so from there, I called up the owner of the business and said, hey, I'd like to buy the company. And then December 21st of 2018, I officially took over as the franchisor for Frios, moved it from its location into Mobile. And here we are today. So it's a whirlwind story of just getting stuck in traffic. Love it. So what was that transition like from going to franchisee to taking over the whole brand? I mean, that must have been an interesting transition. Yeah, it was, you know, it was drinking water through a fire hose, right? It was just trying to learn everything we could. And I've been in a small family business and I've had that entrepreneur aspect. My grandfather started our family business out of the back of his car with an eighth grade education. So I just like, get in there. You're never going to outwork me. Let's figure it out. And so I spent long hours and everything else, like learning the franchise system. Immediately went on a listening tour of all our franchisees. I did make some mistakes early on. It's like, what I thought they really needed. And so I was doing more of just saying, hey, this is what I think we need to do to turn it around before I finished that listening tour. And so, yeah, there was hurdles along the way of figuring it all out. And so eventually I started learning more and more over the past three years and almost four years now in December of bringing on an incredible team to help me as we take that next step of now having 56 territories getting out of that emerging category and taking us into that 100-unit mark, it's just constantly evolving. I have to highlight something you just mentioned there. Did you call it a, a listening tour? Yeah, I, I did. I called it a listening tour. So as soon as I got in there, I immediately got all the franchisees' information. And if I couldn't travel or whatever it was, I was immediately calling and saying, what's working for you? What's not working for you? My name is Cliff Kennedy. I was a franchisee for six months. Here's why I want you to trust me. We're going to do amazing things and turn this around and more support. And so you've got to get that buy-in from them. You've got to know that you're there for them and picking up a phone call. So it was very much. And I try to do that. I just finished mine up. So I try to do it twice a year. And I just finished my halfway point of the year of my listening tour, calling all the Z's, saying, what's going on? What are we doing bad? Getting that constructive criticism to make myself and our team better. That's pretty amazing because every franchisor will typically say, we provide a tremendous amount of support, but we all know at the end of the day, not every franchise is created equal. And everyone says, we're the best thing since sliced bread. But first of all, like Dan mentioned, I love the term listening tour. But the fact that you do that and you commit to doing that, what you say, once or twice per year? You said twice per year, I think? I do it twice per year. I try to do it at the beginning of the year and halfway through the year to get a pulse of wherever we are. Yeah, that's fantastic. How many brands can honestly say that the owner of the brand is calling the franchisees, asking for feedback and keeping an open mind and listening to them and implementing some of that feedback. I think that's tremendous, man. And it's not easy. These last couple of calls that we've had, it hasn't been easy. We've made mistakes in where we're trying to go with different strategies, but it's a great like, okay, let's pull back a little bit. Let's listen. Let's see through all these calls. What's at the top of the list? Let's start knocking them down one by one of what's most important to our Z's. And sometimes it's easy to think that you have the right vision, but it's not. And you've got to listen to your Z's. Those are the most important people in this industry. And so listening to them and letting them know they've been heard and understanding sometimes where they don't think they're being listened to or being heard is very important to build that relationship. Yeah, no doubt about that at all, man. You got to listen to your franchisees. They're the ones on the front line. So I get that 100%. And I think that's super commendable. So kudos to you, man. 
Well, let's dive into the brand now. Let's talk about Frios Gourmet Pops and how delicious they are and how the business model works. Yeah. So, you know, when I first took over the company, it was all brick and mortar. And during COVID, which I say was probably the greatest thing that ever happened to our brand was we realized we can't be static. We have to go to the people. And so during the pandemic, when people were writing a sidewalk chalk on their driveways and writing us thank you letters of you're bringing us happiness, we're like, we got to change this up. So we immediately changed it up. We tied our wrap up some vans, put a freezer and a refrigerator in there. And we hit the road with some fun music and everything else. And so we realized you don't get in your car to go to a free us. You get in your car to go to the grocery store or dinner and you might drive past and stop as like a, what we call a lanyard, like an added extra for the day. So now that we have the ability to go to the corporate events, go to the birthday parties, we are a company that needs to go to the people. So that has been a tremendous transaction. And we never say we're a food truck. And as you alluded to earlier, like we always get included in those food categories. But we're selling a prepackaged product and shipping it out weekly to our franchisees. So they don't have to worry about three compartment sinks and all these food truck requirements. We're a prepackaged product that allows them to have just a freezer and sell happiness on a stick is what we say every single day. I like that too. Happiness on a stick. It can't get any more simple. Everyone's like, okay, so how about this discovery day? It's like, your discovery day might be like 30 minutes. We're going to tell you the flavors we have. We'll give you some sales strategy and all this kind of stuff. But they do come in for a day to do training on their vans and all. But even as we go to trade shows, everything else, like, this is the simplest thing I've ever heard of. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not complicated. You're selling a popsicle. That's that easy. So Cliff, you mentioned family business, you know, families, your grandfather. And then you mentioned you were driving in your car and you were in traffic. I'm assuming on the way to work. And you stopped off. I don't think you mentioned, what did you do? What was the job you were driving to? Type of job? So, yeah. So I was actually driving home from work one day when I stopped at the Frios for the first time. But I was in the family oil and gas business that my grandfather started. So I only know like hard hats and gas detection and all those great things that my family business had. So what did you do? Were you in sales or what was your role? Yeah, I was in sales. So I was our corporate sales director for our family business. So this was easy gravitating like I'm in the sales business now that we're selling ourselves to events and corporate people. You know, it's interesting because like a lot of our listeners, you know, our listeners are founders of franchises, franchisees, and potential for a lot of potential franchisees. And, you know, if you're listening and you're in sales, in my opinion, sales people are one step away from business owners. It's the closest to being a business owner as you could be, right? Because you're responsible for your income and you control your book of business and your clients. So you went from sales role to business owner, and then intuitively knew to listen, which you probably learned from being in sales and learning to listen. So it's just interesting. You transferred your skills to being a franchisee and then now to being a franchisor without having owned a business previously. You're right. I've never really thought about it that way. It's a great point, Dan. It's like salespeople are always building a book of business, either for themselves or their corporate business that they work for. Who else would want to bring home all the money to themselves. Like take your sales application of what you're doing and apply that to your own business. And then that's where true happiness comes. I love my, I talk to my mom and dad daily and we still have a great relationship, but it was something innate in my body that I had my grandfather too much in me that I needed to control my own destiny. And so this was my path to doing that with my sales capability and everything else. 
I had two franchisee calls this morning and I was just getting so fired up about how I can help them with their sales strategy. But that's the beautiful thing. If you don't have that sales background, but you still want to be an entrepreneur in our business, you've got me, you've got a team of people helping you if it's Patty or if you need accounting help, it's Matt. We also have an event people that are helping you book events. So it's just that simple system like, okay, get into it and you find your path. And it's pretty hard to get somebody on the phone and say, hey, would you like a popsicle? And then say no, it's pretty tough to do. No doubt, man. What's funny, and I think a lot of people miss this, especially when they're first getting introduced to franchising. They think, man, I have to have a background in the gourmet pop business or whatever it is. And I think if you've listened to the podcast long enough, you'd realize that that's not the case for most people. But you do have some of those higher level skills like a sales background, for example, that can transfer over to all kinds of things. If you know how to have conversations with people, if you know how to listen, and you can get excited about what it is that you're actually selling, then I think that transfers over to a lot of different things. So makes sense to me. And one thing that you said that really stood out to me was that COVID was one of the best things that happened to you guys, which sometimes Dan and I will hear that from a lot of like home services franchisors. Very rarely do we hear that really, I would think, from a food concept. But you're more food adjacent, right? Because you're not preparing anything. and We're selling food product, yeah. Yeah, but you're not having to prepare anything, which keeps the investment lower, which is something I also think really makes you guys stand out. So, I mean, what's the all-in investment according to the item seven? I mean, you're looking at just all-in. If you decide to pay everything out of pocket, pay for the van, pay for everything, you're looking... Probably around 100K. But if you want to finance the van like most people do and everything else, you're just getting one territory, you can get in for under 50K. Which is phenomenal. You're up and selling day one. It's not like you have an open time. Yeah, you might wait for your van for three or four weeks or something, but you can start setting up wholesale accounts where you're going to the country club, the resorts, the hotels, the concession stands, the schools, sell it to them at a wholesale rate. And I call that mailbox money. All you do is go drop it off then your mailbox gets a check. Very few options in the under 50,000 range that it's great because it's an amount of money that, you know, people can, well, can they finance part of this business? They can finance the van. That's the main thing. They don't finance the territory fee, but they can finance the van. But they could do a rollover. They could do a 401k rollover for the 50,000. Absolutely. They could do a HELOC if they need some access to capital. I mean, there's a lot of people doing all those things. They're like, okay, I'm just going to get a small business line of credit or a HELOC because it's not a lot of cash outlay for them just to go lock that up real quick. Right. That's the beautiful thing about us is like, not only are we a super simple system that you're off the ground running. I mean, look, everyone's risk adverse, okay? Like investing anything. But we're gravitating to that middle America that we've all seen change and want to control their own destiny coming out of the pandemic and everything of losing their job and how do we take control of our own lives? This is it. Not all of those people have a million dollar liquidity or can go get a million dollar loan to build out XYZ retail location. So, okay, let's give this a shot. Let's bet on myself, but they don't want to completely bankrupt their entire family. So absolutely, let's give this a go. So we have a lot of people, husbands and wives, and we had several of them. Can call them off by name, but we have, I know of two dads that just bought the company for their kids. They're like, I want to show them the value of a dollar and hard work. And so they're there working it with them, but they're growing a nice little business together. 
you know, it's interesting, like the desire to own your own business, I think grows every generation, right? You know, the freedom and with technology, making it more accessible. At my company, Franchise Playbook, we're in the middle of hiring our operations coordinator and she's graduated her MBA and she's, you know, early 20s. And so it's my first time being in the workforce as not the youngest generation, right? As a millennial, now we have Gen Z. And so I found myself obsessed with learning about Gen Z over the past few weeks because I wanted to understand it's probably going to be a lot of people I hire, right? As we get older. And so there's actually a stat that it's like 71% of Gen Z people, people in the Gen Z category want to own their own business or be a freelancer, not do a job. And they're doing it. They're not saying like, I want to do that. They're literally turning down jobs and going for freelancing or business ownership. So these numbers are actually going to go up more than they even are, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, exactly. And those are the people that we're getting in that are excited about us. Like you get to jam some awesome music in a tie-dye rep van and wear t-shirts and flip-flops or whatever. Like, you know, if I stood up right now, I'm in shorts. Like it's a big day around the office if I'm wearing like formal pants or something like that. Because if you see me dressed up, I mean, I sell popsicles for a living. We sell happiness for a living. I better be dressed appropriately. So my coat and ties haven't seen the light of day in a long time. But that's what I love about it. And everyone, we always talk about those personas and who are you trying to get into your franchising? Like, who are you really trying to target? We have the over 65 generation that are buying territories from us. We have the young families that are looking for something to do. We have the executives that are looking for their kids for something to do. Like, everyone is just like, wow, okay, you know, I get to wake up and sell happiness for a living. That's all we're focused on. And the fact that we can do that with a low cost and very simple system, I think that's what kind of attracts people to our business. For sure. I mean, Dan already touched on this with Gen Z. They want to own businesses, but obviously they're earlier on in their career. They don't have as much capital saved. So the low barrier to entering something like this allows them to get into business ownership without a whole heck of a lot out of pocket. But then I also think about people that are maybe on the verge of retirement or just retired and, hey, they have all this money amassed and they'd like to enjoy retirement, but they also don't want to be completely bored and do nothing. So they'd like to be maybe kind of semi-retired. And this is a model that sticks out to me as A, low barrier to entry, but it also seems like there's a degree of flexibility, no? Tons of flexibility. I mean, for me, look, I still have a territory, but I'm an absentee owner. I have unbelievable person who runs it for me. We talk occasionally. But she shows up to work on late Monday afternoon because she's got a couple of events or she might stay at home with her kids for half a day if they're during the summer. Like tons of flexibility because I tell everyone, my success is not your success. And what do we mean by that in Frios? You can use this as a side hustle where you can just make as much as you want to because everyone asks the question. You've all been on that call. How much money can I make? If you've got like me, I'm going to work endlessly and be as successful as I can be. But your idea of success might be to work just a couple of events a week because you're semi-retired. You just don't want to sit at home all day watching the news, whatever it is. So that's both. Then we have some that are now buying two territories in their second van and now going into the third van and really trying to expand and build their little mini empire of sweet rides, as we call them. If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button. And make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. It's interesting. Like I like what you said about your success is not my success. Like that's important to keep in mind too. With like, I always 
remember that my financial goals are different than someone else's and that's okay. Or someone may want to make less and be happy with that. And then the expectation of what you're asking them to do is going to be less too. They want to have more work-life balance or whatever. But it's interesting. I think what you're building is a system that, like I always see your franchise or say, you know, especially as a franchise coach, I want the best people. I need the best franchisees. They got to be A players. And the reality is, why? If you need A players in your system, then it's not a great system. No offense. You want to be able to have a system that a B player can perform in because the system is so strong. And it makes me think of like a franchise playbook. We're hiring salespeople and we're turning them into franchise coaches on a salary. And people say to me, whoa, what if they want to be on their own? They want to own their own business. No, they don't. That's not true. They didn't want to. They wanted to work somewhere. And we're providing franchise coaching as a job, which has never been done before, provided before. And there's a whole bunch of people that want that. You don't, just because you're a business owner doesn't mean everybody wants to be a business owner or vice versa. So you're providing people a franchise opportunity that they can have fun. It's a lifestyle. They can make a living. It's really smart. We stumbled into like really trying to develop this out. And I was part of the listening tours, finding out that some of my franchisees, they want to give every dollar they made back to their nonprofit. And so they didn't care about the profitability of the company. They wanted to make profit to give back. I have some that just want to work four or five events a week. I have some that we're talking to now just bought his third territory and just signing up because he wants to go all in from the beginning and really start to expand and lock all his territory up. So again, that's the beautiful thing about what we offer in a low-cost system is that the diversity of the people that are in our system, if you look at our monthly franchise calls, you have to be like, oh my goodness, look at all the different faces and diversity that we have. It's like, we are accepting of all people and we're going to train you up because yeah, you might not have the best sales background, but look, let me tell you, here's three simple tactics of how to sell a popsicle. It's pretty easy to do. Like anybody can learn that. But if you don't understand how to run the financials, that's why we fixed all of those. You got a fixed fan payment. You got a fixed royalty, like all these fixed overhead costs. Perfect. Matt can help you run the numbers and everything. So that's what we really try to show is like, I go back to what you said, Dan, is like, not everyone knows if they want to run a business or not, but you're so close to it. So why not give them that simple system that we provide them with? Yeah, it's so true that there really are different strokes for different folks. And oftentimes, Dan and I will have franchisors on the podcast and no shade on them, but they're looking in many cases for those empire builders. And one of the reasons also is, you know, the more money that they can show in the item 19, the more revenues people are doing. If they disclose bottom line numbers and all of that, that helps them sell more franchises too. But what I like that you're doing is it feels like this brand, there's something for everybody. Like you could be the empire builder in this brand and get a ton of trucks and really scale it. Or you could be the person, like you said, that wants this as a side hustle. And there's not really a ton of brands within franchising that are saying, Hey, come in here, let this be a side hustle because. If they're going to show that in the ride of 19, people are going to wonder about that. Well, why are they only making XYZ per year? But that's what they want. And so I think that there's almost like a little bit of a gap that you're filling in there. And that's where you call this out about the item 19, which it makes sense what you're saying now, where I think as a general rule for certain types of businesses, it could make sense. But there's, especially with a flat rate royalty and with how you're almost like democratizing business ownership, making it a side hustle or people that want to have you know, an empire builder mentality. There's something for everyone in there and everyone in between. So I think that you make a pretty good case about why the item 19, especially in your case, isn't needed. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts and to have you elaborate on that. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And if I were to show an item 19 or everything just off the internal financials that we move around and all, but it's like everyone's got the bell curve and I've got to take off those bell curve people. It's like, okay, but why don't I take that person out? Well, I know this franchisee, all they want to do is just have a little bit of fun. They don't want to sit at home all day. And then this one, it was super successful, has three vans. So I'm not comparing apples to apples there. So yeah, you do have those middle, you know, 80-20 principle that are right in the middle. They're trying to grow a successful business for themselves and their family. And some of them are doing it as, like you said, the side hustle. And then we're having them, one of the, the wife or the husband or whoever it may be, leave their job. And like now they're really starting to expand a little bit. But absolutely, my job as a franchisor is the best success for my franchisees. I did not feel in the industry that we're in, I needed to be like, well, I don't think these financials are right. No, nope, I know it's right because all I did was charge you a fixed royalty. I don't care how much more money I could have made off of you. I want you to be a successful entrepreneur and give you a platform to be successful, low stress. It's a lot less stress when you're worth millions of dollars and all that. I mean, it's relatively, you know, it's income bound where that is. So it's a lot less stressful if you're putting up that 50,000 and you're like, oh, I'm betting on myself rather than somebody's already got three or four fast chain restaurants or whatever it is. So for us, we're trying to appeal to all people. So flat fee model. And then how many territories do you think there are available just in the United States alone? Alone, probably 5,000, 4,000. It's an incredible business. Because that's how big it is. It's like, if you go look at it, you're like, oh, you got to be in LA, you got to be in Chicago, Miami, you got to be in these big cities. But some of my greatest franchisees are in the smallest towns that have nothing there. And medium household income is probably like 45K. And it's like, okay, well, they're crushing it because they have wholesale accounts because they're involved in the community. They're doing amazing givebacks. A lot of our franchisees do givebacks for nonprofits. It's been a huge success for us because we don't have to have an event all day or set up. Say, hey, book Frios and all events that you book, no matter if it's a month from now or two months from now, we'll go back to this nonprofit and it's great for them. And so that is what it goes back to. It's just like, again, flexibility. We can be a chameleon in this space. And you know our territories are 200,000 people. You can be wildly successful in that. And so our Initial territory fee is 17K. And to get two territories, it's an additional 10,000. So every additional territory that you get. So you can get 400,000 people for 27K and you can stay very, very busy. What I love about that too, now that you mention it, is the fact that you said you have some of your best franchisees or people that are in some of those smaller markets that would otherwise, in many cases, be overlooked by other franchises. And What's great is the model doesn't need some $100,000 household income and all these other demographic requirements. It seems like it can succeed in just about every kind of market because who doesn't like frozen pops, right? I mean, come on. I'm in the freezer and everyone's got kids. And so it's like, as you get into our system, you start to see like so many of our potential franchisees come here. It's like, oh, well, can I sell to this person? And this person has always laugh. I said, as long as it's legal and ethical, I don't care who you sell to, just go sell. Like, create happiness in the community. And so that's how easy it comes down to. Makes sense to me, man. I think that's really special. And, and just for some people that maybe aren't as familiar with a fixed rate royalty structure, typically in many cases for franchises, they're charging a percentage of gross revenue as the royalty 
which essentially means the more revenue you do, the more money you're paying, which is fine. But with a fixed rate royalty, it's nice because, and this is all hypothetical numbers, but the million dollar business is paying the same royalty as the person doing 100,000. So the more money you make, the more money you keep in a fixed rate royalty model. So that's fantastic news. Yeah, look, it hurt to do it at the beginning because I was like, oh, this is the lost revenue for us. But I was like, this is so much better because now we're starting to see our Zs reinvest in their own territories and expand and buy up other territories. So because it's that ability to say, okay, you can see what I can do now with one van. Let me see what I can do with two vans. And it's just a little added to your bottom line. It's a great thing. I think it's incredible. The compounding effect of setting a financial goal for yourself from a personal income standpoint, and then leaving yourself at that number as your business grows. So you can reinvest and get more trucks and grow. Like I just keep thinking about that because I think about these people that have a hundred units of a business. And the only way they could do that, unless they're independently wealthy from some reason, is they put down the down payment to buy a business. It cash flows. They take the cash flow to put down the down payment, get a loan against that, and over and over and over, and not touch the money that they're making to grow their business. And it's interesting. They could do that here too, because they don't have to make a massive investment every time. They can have multiple trucks out on the road. You're exactly right. It's like, as I talk to you and I talk to others or talk to both of you and others, it's like little ideas are popping off my head of like how we even sell ourselves and like, how do we get that skill? And the difference is it's like not being in the broker networks because we get shut down because, oh, you don't have 919? See you later. Or our territory fee seventeen 17K? See you later. Like, that's just the way we're going to be. Like, I want to resonate with more people, but we're never going to get that lead gen like everyone else does. But what we do get is when people find us, it's more that quality lead. Like, this is what I'm looking for. And so we don't have those hundreds and hundreds of leads coming in every week. But the leads we do, our closure rate is so much higher because they're like, oh, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for flexibility and simplicity in my life at a very low cost. Have you thought about joining the broker networks like an IFPG and offering it as an opportunity to, you know, like, yes, it's a lower commission, but it's an easier sale. And, you know. Yeah. I won't say the brands we've spoken with. Sure, sure, sure. We get shut down immediately. And look, this is probably not going to be the most kosher thing to say. But to me, it's when I hear the brokers like, oh, the best interest is the franchisee. Or like, okay, if that's the case, then why wouldn't you take me on? And if I'm at a lower cost and they want that, why wouldn't you take a lower commission? Because I promise you how hard it is for you to close that deal. Uh, They've got to come up with $500,000. You're going to close 50 deals with us and an amazing amount of territory availability with much less work. I don't know the group you talked to. We're not, obviously, we're not going to talk about that, but I would keep looking into it because I think about there's brands that are lower commissions that are helping lots of people buy. Like I think first comes to mind is like Naturals to Go or Claim Tech or Global Training is a financial training business. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that there's a lot of brokers that would understand the opportunity to sell a lower investment. Some will, some won't, I think. But I know a lot of very, very successful franchise consultants, some of the top in the industry that because they care about their client more than anything, and they don't always deal with or get referred to somebody that has, like you mentioned earlier, Clip, a million dollar net worth, they're willing to say, hey, this might be the best option for you. And 
yeah, we don't make as much per deal, but we can certainly do a heck of a lot more of them and make up for it in volume. I think some get it, some won't. Maybe it just depends on the consultant, I think. But I think you could get some traction. I mean, I certainly see the value big time. Look, I changed your mind on the item my team. You're starting to change my mind a little bit as well. So, <laughs> yeah, look, that's the goal, right? And you know, the point of our podcast, Cliff, we try to do two things. We like to get granular, especially when it's a supplier of some sort on the call to give a granular. Here's how yeah. you can actually actionable steps, do something. The other thing is we're shooting from the hip. We're being candid. You know, like I'll give you an example. Like my company, my whole living makes money when someone buys a franchise. We get a commission. I'm not hiding that. Anyone that's listening that's saying, hey, I want to work with Dan, you should know that. That's how we get paid. There's nothing to hide there. And sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. But I agree, obviously. Well, maybe someday the commissions should all be the same. That would make things really good. But you know, at the end of the day, like I agree. I've never thought about a commission ever. Not one time because they all average out anyway. You know, Sometimes you make more, sometimes you make less. Sometimes somebody works with you for a year. They don't buy anything. Sometimes they work with you for a month. They buy something, right? And that's every business in the type of model that we're in. But yeah, I would think about it more. I think that there's opportunity there for you to get your name out there. It's the time value of money. It's what are you putting into that deal? And what's your ROI on that? And so, you know, that's what I was trying to say is that we're a low-call system that has an extremely low timeline of open and or like lead to close. And so it's like, yeah, you can scale that rapidly. So it's just more communication. And for us... Being able to be on those calls, obviously, it goes back to my sales background. I love hopping on these calls with potential Zs and like having Zoom calls with them. I just like the passion I have for this business is no one's ever going to out be on selling that. But no, look, I'm open to anything. This is the fun part about franchising and being on podcasts like this. Everything else is learning new things and keeping your mind open to what's really possible. I love it. No, it makes a ton of sense, man. I mean, I definitely see the value in the model. And I mean, we got to get one out by me so I can try one of these guys. Because if I'm looking at the website, I mean, they look delicious. And the bands look super cool too, man. <laughs> Thank you. That was in a war room one day during COVID. I was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I was like, this will stand out. This screams fun. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun creating it and redeveloping. I mean, we went from concept during COVID, we redid our entire FDD in probably 60 days or less and completely rewrote it as a mobile franchise system and then went to work. I think we have right around 20, 28 bands on the road now, 30 bands somewhere around there. Smart, man. I mean, last thing I'll say, I'm reading the book. It's called Authentic. It's the story of the founder of Vans and how we got started, the Vans, the shoe. And what he said was with some of his earliest retail stores, to get more customers in and to get them to really pay more attention to the brand because he figured out very quickly that the customer wasn't really the dad. It was like the mom that was doing the shopping for the family, picking out the shoes for the kids, telling you, hey, honey, no, 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 no. You can't get those shoes because you don't have anything that matches these. So he was trying to appeal to the kids and to the moms. And so what they started doing was painting circuses on their retail store so that when people drove by, they saw the circus and it attracted the kids' eyes. And the kids were like, oh, let's go check that out. And then it's a shoe store and then it would help bring more people in. And you with the tie-dye van, same thing. I mean, it definitely pops out, no doubt about that. So it just reminded me of that. I read that story this morning. Two of our top flavors have come from my oldest son. One was a serious game of paper, rock, scissors. And he looked at the production team and said, hey, y'all got to go make blue raspberry now. And thank goodness I lost because we did it. And it's like always the perennial like top three or top two flavor that we have. Is that what you guys call it down there? Paper, rock, scissors? Or <laughs> I got that too. 
we call rock, paper, scissors. Rock, maybe it's paper, rock, scissors, rock, paper, scissors. I don't know. It's, you know, it's the game. It's <laughs> Just the, kidding. I thought that was a Bama thing. <laughs> well, no, you know, because you have like pop. What do you guys call soda pop, right? Coke. Coke. Everything right, is Coke. Right, right, right. Everything is Coke down here. Who calls yeah, it pop? So Doesn't someone Midwest, call it Midwest, I think. Like Chicago? Yeah, Chicago people. But going back to what you're talking about in your last podcast or one of the last two, like Leanne talking about, like, I was at the same show with y'all. I wish I'd run into y'all with Jesse Itzler. Same thing. It's like, for me, I've got that endurance bug. And so that's what I kind of put off into my franchises. Like, you're never going to have a team that works harder. I will never quit. I just finished a 200 mile race and I just put on LinkedIn. It's like, here I was at mile 72, ready to quit. I had my DNF speech and I was like, nope, the mind's a strong thing. So having that ability to show potential Z's that like share my story is like, okay, this is what I do. I'm never going to quit as your leader and our team. We're going to fight in for you because I know how hard you're fighting and how important that small investment in the grand scheme of franchising is to them. So that's why I take every single person that we have. We call it the Frias family. It's all very, very personal to me. Dan, I saw that you had the same look on your face as I did. Are we just going to gloss over the fact that you just say 200 mile race? I did. I did. It took me just under four days, but I finished. No big deal. Oh my God. It's mental to me. Jesse Itzler does those all the time. You know, it's funny. Jesse Itzler, if you're listening, probably not, but we got some DMs here. We're trying to get you on our podcast and can't reach your assistant. So tell her, email me back. That's why I did that for you. I knew you were trying. <laughs> so it's like SEO and like put this in the show notes or something. It's all about that SEO. Yep. Like bring his name up there for you, trying to help you out. I ping them one. Uh, you know, persistence is key. No doubt. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Well, Cliff, I mean, this has been such a treat, man. And I use the word treat intentionally. Uh, <laughs> but it's been awesome to have you, man. And uh, I think there's been some awesome insight. I love what you're doing with the brand. Is there any like, parting wisdom or parting words of advice that you would give to maybe franchisors, potential franchisees? Anything you'd like to say at all? No, it goes back to simply just listening. And I've made the biggest mistakes of not listening sometimes. And so you just have to take that step back. Your Zs are going to tell you the story. You have to have the willingness to say that I don't have all the answers, but I know I can get it if I just listen to other people and actually understanding what they're saying and developing a strategy around that. It's amazing how quick the dynamics will change if you show that they have a voice in a company that they've invested in, especially as a company like ours that is emerging. It's so important. So I admitted to all my Zs, like I lost vision of that for quite a while, but you know, we learn from our mistakes and fight back. So just listen. Boom. Love it, man. Well, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on again, Cliff. Really appreciated the time. Yeah. And uh, everyone that's listening, as always, hit that subscribe button, write the review, share it with your friends, all that good stuff that helps us to get the word out about awesome brands like the one that Cliff has and just share the story of franchising. So thanks everyone for coming on and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com.